Welcome to DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sector Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by 26 Digital, a full-service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to destination marketing organizations and members of the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. Dave Serino, Brian Matson, and the 26 team assist DMOs with developing measurable and successful digital marketing strategies through specialized solutions to elevate the overall understanding, strategic direction, and tactical implementation of impactful campaigns. You can learn more at 26Digital, all letters, no numbers, 26Digital, and now, on to our show. Our guest today is Mark Garcia, the president and CEO of Visit Mesa, the destination marketing and management organization for the city of Mesa, Arizona, and the surrounding region. Immediately after joining the DMO in June of 2012, and after 15 years at Visit Phoenix, Mark prioritized a rebranding campaign for the organization, which included a corporate repositioning to Visit Mesa. Last year, he led the organization to become the nation's first autism-certified destination marketing organization via the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, and that's an initiative that hits close to home as a father of a six-year-old son on the autism spectrum. This nationwide achievement has set Mesa aside and apart as a leader in the burgeoning sector of ability travel. Under Mark's leadership, Visit Mesa's branding and marketing efforts have garnered several industry awards, including Addies and Tellies. Awards from State Tourism, ESTO, and DMA West. Last year, Mark was named Tourism Manager of the Year by the Arizona Lodging and Tourism Association and one of the 40 most influential Phoenicians by Arizona Foothills Magazine. He currently serves on the following boards, Destination Marketing Association of the West, the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, the Arizona Lodging and Tourism Association, and the Travel Ability Advisory Board with me. And like me, Mark also earned his undergraduate degree in political studies. He from Pitzer College in California, where he, unlike me, was thrice named to the regional soccer All-American team. Wow. Greatness in our midst. Mark Garcia, welcome to DMOU. Bill, it's good to be with you. So I've been fascinated by your journey in an area in which so few DMOs have ventured, and that is travel accessibility. Uh, we attempted to put together a program, you and I, for this year's annual convention of Destinations International, but of course that just wasn't to be. So I'm ecstatic that we have this alternative vehicle to help share your story. But first, tell us how Mesa is faring in the pandemic. Well, it's been rough, <laughs> as it has been for, for everybody else. But really proud of our team and the way we responded really quickly uh, as soon as the shutdown occurred. Staff wasn't paralyzed, which you could easily see happening because, you know, something like this never happened in our history. But the staff really came together and we responded. I mean, within 10 days, we had a campaign out to locals. So we pivoted. We turned local and we ran a campaign that was turning our main street, which is our main thoroughway in, in downtown Mesa, we had a campaign that we ran uh, that turned, you know, Main Street into a mile-long drive-through, and we were, you know, encouraging eating local and uh, promoting all the restaurants and, and retail and attractions along along Main Street. And uh, you know, we're not doing as poorly as maybe some others are doing because we are a leisure destination. Our brand position is the great outdoors and all the adventure that comes with it. The Salt River literally runs right through the city of Mesa, and we have the lake system, Saguaro Lake and Canyon Lake right nearby. 
a tremendous set of hiking and biking trails, some of the best in the country, in fact, specifically Hawes Trail, while the professional mountain biking community is really taking notice of. ADR uh, has actually been strong, proud of our hoteliers here, holding firm on rate. As a matter of fact, over the last three months, ADR is year over year ahead of, of last year. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Remarkable. RevPAR is only down about 20%. So it's not great, but it's it's better than it could be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and good to hear. And congratulations on you and the team for making that pivot. Uh, so many DMOs that we've been talking to over the past six months were right alongside you, making that really uncomfortable change. But it yep. came out that, you know, wow. I mean, what would our um, partners be doing today had that not happened and happened as fast as you did it? Uh, in Mesa and others around this country. So, you know, as we mentioned in your bio, you have a very personal stake and a passion for the concept of travelability. So set us up on how your son's experience got you to thinking about the opportunities to broaden your destination's appeal. Yeah, well, uh, my son, Mason, who actually it's his birthday today, so it's kind of appropriate. We're having a all right, happy Seven birthday. years old today. This all started in the summer of 2018. You know, we we're taking our annual family vacation. I'm not going to name which Southern California city uh, it is, but it's the same city we go to every single year. Uh, we typically, as a family, stay in a condo right on the beach. But this year, that summer of 2018, we decided to do it a little bit different. We thought we'd immerse ourselves in the city a little more than we had in the past. And so we split our time between two hotels. We said we're going to go to different attractions, museums, etc. And it was just a really bad week, Bill. I mean, he, my son had meltdown after meltdown after meltdown. Yeah. And what was interesting is we would get, even at home, at the grocery store or wherever, get those awkward stares, you know, the muffled whispers mm-hmm. when he would have a meltdown. Yeah. But in this situation, it wasn't from other guests like us at the hotel or at the restaurant, it was from supposed hospitality professionals. You know, the staff at the restaurant, the staff at the hotels that were giving us these awkward looks and muffled uh, whispers. So it was extremely uncomfortable. And I said, you know, this isn't right. This isn't how it should be. We're in the hospitality industry for crying out loud. And so while I couldn't do anything about it there, I knew that it was something I could address in Mesa. So that's what I set out to do. And it just so happens that uh, we were just doing our strategic planning work with our board of directors. And I shared my experience with the board and uh, with my staff. And so this is something I think we really ought to look at. And I knew even at that time, this was a, you know, a burgeoning market. Uh, Obviously, you know, when your son is diagnosed with autism, uh, you do a lot of Uh, soul searching, number one, but you also do quite a bit of research to find out how to get the best services for him that you can. Uh, So in that process, I obviously knew that the autism community, and obviously the prevalence was high, one in 59 at that time, it's now one in 54 per the CDC, and super, super loyal customer base. When people find out about a, Mm -hmm. you know, autism, quote unquote, friendly attraction or destination, they they sort of flock to it and remain loyal to it. So I kind of knew a lot of that going into it. But I knew that if we did this, I wanted to do it right. I wanted it to have some teeth. I wanted it to be substantive. I wanted really a top to bottom autism education for people in the industry. 
are organizations out there that do some great work in and around autism, especially in our field, where videos are created and even sensory guides are created, but it kind of ends right there. Unless your staff is trained about how to recognize what is autism and what the world looks like through the prism of someone who has autism, it's not going to be as meaningful. So I was hoping if it existed to do some type of a certification program. And so I began to look locally first to see if there was an an organization that would uh, offer something like this. Couldn't find it, uh, even though some fabulous autism services are found here in the Metro Phoenix area, some of the best in the country. I just couldn't find what I was looking for specific to the tourism and hospitality industries. And so I just stumbled upon, as you mentioned it earlier, the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education standards. I know it's a mouthful. We'll just call it IDCCDS. <laughs> that's still a mouthful. <laughs> Found out that that's what they do. At least they had them for the past five years. For the previous 20 years in their existence, they were focused in the classroom, in healthcare. But because they're based in Florida, which is a, a natural travel destination, they thought to get into that space and, and smartly and wisely so. That's how the journey began, and that's how I connected with IDCCDS. Yeah, interesting. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, Jake Steinman of the uh, Travelability Summit on just as he was unfortunately forced to uh, cancel the event for this year, but we're all eyes on next year, of course. And the one thing he said, which is right down the alley that, that you took us, it tends to be the most difficult for the people who are at the hotel, at the attraction, at the restaurant. And he said that in his conversations with those businesses, he says they want so badly to do the right thing, mm -hmm. but all they can think of in their head is here comes a lawsuit, right? And he says it, it paralyzes them. So in your drive to make Mesa an autism certified destination, Visit Mesa interacted with over 4,000 people, which I just blows my mind from the business community, the chambers, the parks, fire, police departments, and many more. Share with us how you initiated the conversation with these very varied public. What was the initial reaction? And how did you make this a community-wide value? It's a great question. I could take a lot of time answering this question because so much work was put into it, but I'll try to keep it brief for your listeners. You know, it really started as just a hospitality and, and tourism initiative. The first thing that we set out to do was to train our staff and our board. So if we fast forward from 2000, summer of 2018, when I had the epiphany and said I wanted to do something like this, to January of 2019, when I connected with IBCCES, the focus was really on uh, our organization, you know, as a destination marketing organization to do it first and then to start to permeate, you know, the predominant hotels in our industry, attractions, et cetera. We never had the intention, at least at the outset, to have this be a certification that was for the entire city through and through. My board has been extremely gracious and accepting and willing to, to get into this. And so they went through the training, my staff went through the training, but as far as the journey is concerned, once the staff and board went through the training, we then now fast forward to April of 2019, launched it to the Mesa visitor industry and going into that event, which we had about 200 people there along with IBCCES to explain what the certification looked like, how it worked, et cetera. Uh, I had already five key partners lined up. I had the City of Mesa Parks and Recreation Department, uh, the Mesa Chamber of Commerce, uh, and then three of our larger hotels, the Sheridan, the Delta, and the Hilton. You know, once they announced that they were a part of this, 
it somewhat put the pressure on other hoteliers and other people in the business to, to jump on board and be a part of this. Not only because it's the right thing to do, uh, which it is, but also because of the opportunity for new business. As I mentioned earlier, extremely loyal consumer base, especially if you do it right. And so from there, we put some videos together and the mayor was very much involved in the, the call to action and asking Mesa businesses to partake in this. And it just became a snowball effect. Shortly thereafter, with the city manager's support, the mayor's support, the Mesa Fire Department, the police department came on board, uh, the library system uh, throughout the city, they jumped in, got all their staff trained. And then at the same time, another 60 or so hotels, attractions, service providers, restaurants, all came in and happened, Bill, way faster than we ever anticipated. But it just goes to show you what kind of city I live in here. It's a city with a heart. They always rally around matters and issues like this. So it was kind of the perfect place for this thing to happen. And really interesting that you know something that we do when we're trying to move any destination developments or into political advocacy is, you know, you line up the people, you know, this dates me, but you know, the old EF Hutton commercials, you know, when EF Hutton speaks, people listen. So you, you line up the five or six most influential people in town that know everybody and that everybody knows. And if, if they're saying yes, mm -hmm. then people begin to fall in line. And that's exactly what you've done here, which I think is a great starting point for anybody who wants to try to emulate what you've done maybe in autism, maybe in something completely different. Mm -hmm. This is really that opportunity, I think, to reach out to the community and let the community rise to the occasion. I agree 100%. By and large, for the hospitality-related businesses, you know, it was really nothing more than a 30-minute video with a test at the end. These are for your frontline employees. So the, the certification was fairly easy to achieve, but you wouldn't believe how much information and how open your eyes get after watching this video. The test is a little more difficult than you might think. You know, I'd say 60% of the people who became certified, that's what they, they did. They took a 30 minute course, but what is required at all establishments was that leadership staff had to go through elevated training, depending on the level of contact that they have with the customer. So it could be a four hour course, or it could be a 14-hour course, which is what I took and uh, my leadership team took here. Several members of my board took the elevated course. GMs would need to take the elevated course along with any HR directors and HR staff. Okay. That's what it looked like for the lion's share of the hospitality-related businesses. But the training was completely different and customized for other industries. So like for the fire department and for the police department in public safety, it was much more of a virtual reality experience where officers were put in real world scenarios uh, in public safety and how to respond to them. For others like Boeing, just so your listeners know that the, the Apache helicopter is built here in Mesa, so they have a big presence. And their interest in this citywide autism initiative was on the employment side hiring people on the spectrum. Okay. So their training was a little bit different. The same was true with one of our big uh, public utility companies here. Their interest was is employment. Speaking of employment, that's the next phase for this Mesa Autism Initiative. So it was based on hospitality, uh, based on getting a lot of people trained and aware of what autism is and what it looks like and how to service it uh, and service those on the spectrum. 
um, but we really want to get into into employment. So that's what we're planning for. Uh, that's what we're uh, putting together our strategies about. And then we also want to get into to housing at some point. So what does getting into a program like this one from the IBCCES, what are we looking at from a cost factor? You know, it really varies. When people ask me, you know, what does it cost? I say, you really have to have a discussion with IBCCS because it really depends on the type of industry, the number of employees, you know, how big the facility is, whether or not you're going to add sensory guides as part of your certification. So in some cases, many of our Mm -hmm. hotels or the parks department, for example, they flew in IBCCS staff to spend a day or two or longer at any number of their facilities to create sensory guides you know, for the different apparatuses, you know, in a given park right. uh, or different rooms within a hotel, uh, making recommendations about certain types of products to use for hygiene, et cetera. So it, it really varies. I'll tell you candidly that it ran Visit Mesa up just, just shy of about $200,000. But that's also because we supported some of our brand serving uh, mom and pop organizations, these smaller shops that just don't have a big budget to do something like this, yet they're, they're so important to our brand here in Mesa and how right. we position ourselves and separate, create point of difference from the other Valley Wide from Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, et cetera. And so we would, we would do some cost sharing with them and you know we'd split costs in some cases. So it's not a inexpensive enterprise, but you know it often isn't inexpensive when you're trying to, to do something well. Well, absolutely. And and the fact that you can cost share for those who, who buy in and can help with, with mm-hmm. that cost, because, you know, clearly there's a benefit to them. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, and I know everything is scalable and we have listeners, you know, from a $200,000 budget total all right. the way up to, you know, 50 million. But mm-hmm. I mean, think about it for most destinations to put $200,000 down and be accredited as the only destination in the nation that is autism certified, that's gold. I agree. Any of us would do $200,000 if we could be the one in the nation that everybody knows about. Right. And, and I just, just so people fully understand, that isn't just to get certified. That wasn't just for folks to go through the training. You know, those are also, you know, marketing and advertising costs because we didn't end there. Obviously, we went out to market with it and we were doing all types of geo and demo targeted advertising, you know, all the social feeds uh, into autism publications, uh, not just nationally, but globally, especially in the UK and Australia. So a lot of those dollars are also, you know, what we've done to uh, to approach the market. We've produced an autism uh, travel guide, producing sensory guides. We entered into an arrangement with geocaching.com to do a geocaching program, which is very, very popular in the autism community, especially among preteens and teenagers, because it allows them to interact, engage, and be immersed in a destination without having to be too social and too personal. And so it's proven to be really successful for us. Uh, and then also the ROI comes on the back end. You, you do something like this, and there are organizations that appreciate it and want to book meetings and conventions, which we've done, unfortunately, been canceled. So we'll bring them back here in a future year. And on top of it all, and we've been talking dollars and cents, it's the right thing to do, right? 
It really is. It really is. I don't, I don't think this country is fully aware when you consider the prevalence rate at one in 54 yeah. children born today will eventually be diagnosed with autism. What does that mean for everyday life? And what happens to most of the people when they talk about autism, they're thinking about kids. Well, these kids become adults. How does that impact your grocery store, your dry cleaner? I mean, all these businesses are eventually going to have to respond to this ever-growing consumer base. And obviously, I have a personal uh, attachment to it, so it allowed me to open my eyes sooner. But I, I think sooner or later, everyone is going to need to be doing something like this. Well, and you know, this is not unlike venturing into diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, the hardest conversations mm-hmm. are the initial conversations. So. Clearly, moving into this arena is a no-brainer. As we heard from Julie Pinkston of the Greater Lansing, Michigan CVB on this podcast a year or so ago, who is also doing some work in the uh, in the autism area, uh, she said mm-hmm. the hardest step was the first step. So for destinations that want to follow your lead but are kind of unsure of, of what that first or second step may be, what would you suggest? Well, first, I'd invite them to give me a call. Happy to have that discussion with them and explain the ins and outs. Uh, of our journey and how we did it, and perhaps it would apply to them. Uh, I'm happy to have that discussion. Another thing I would recommend is that they reach out to IBCCES directly. Uh, Myron Pinkholm is the is the board chairman, and Meredith Teakin is the uh, president. And I would ha- be happy to make those introductions as well. But that's that's where I would start. And give us a a case study or a story, if you will. What was one of the most heartwarming experiences that you had as this rolled out, as you were certified, um, as you uh, you look across your community and see such a varied and diverse set of businesses and service agencies and others all coming together on this goal? What was one of those moments where you just kind of kicked back and went, wow, I had no idea? That's a good question. It's one thing to talk about these things and plan, you know, an initiative like this, but to see it come together is an entirely different prospect. And one example would be the, the Sheridan Mesa Hotel, which is right next to Sloan Park, which is where the Chicago Cubs make their home for, for spring training here. They grasped this whole concept very early on. They were the one, one of the hotels that not only sent their entire staff through the certification and all of their leadership through the elevated uh, training. Uh, But they also paid to do the audit, you know, the in-market audit and to get sensory guides of, you know, their guest rooms, their public space, their meeting rooms. And uh, we also like to audit the destination, audit this initiative. So we were bringing different families in to help us shape this, to do it properly. Again, Mm -hmm. Nothing is more important to me than for this thing to be as real as possible and as meaningful as possible. It's one thing to create a video or create some sensory guides, put a sticker in your window saying you're quote unquote autism friendly. It's an entirely different prospect to say you're certified. That certification is a direct result of all the training. And we also partnered with a a company called Copa Health to do respite services. And I bring that up because we married those two concepts. When we brought in a family from Buffalo, New York to audit the destination, they stayed at the Sheraton uh, and they just went completely out of their way. They independently reached out to Copa Health to provide respite services for the child that was on the spectrum who was here along with the the mom and dad and his two brothers. 
and uh, got them into the swimming pool. What's really cool about this respite service program is that uh, it adds a level of comfort to a visitor. Let's say it's a mom and dad coming in for a vacation or maybe mom has a conference and there are certain points where the family can't be together, you know, but the mom and dad maybe wants to go to a, a, a dinner and they want a little time away. So knowing that you have uh, an organization like Copa Health that provides BCBA certified professionals who can get into the pool with someone, take them out to, on a horseback ride or to, uh, to go to the park. It's just reassuring, you know, and it can be billed to insurance, which is also fantastic. But the Sheridan, to answer your question, the Sheridan reached out to Copa Health, provided all these services. They made changes mm -hmm. to the soap and conditioner in the rooms. They made adjustments to the lighting in their lobby uh, and to the sound that was pitched in, into the lobby. And to see that happen on the fly was, was pretty heartwarming. Yeah, when we were talking with Julie last year, she said that her moment was when the university there, uh, and I think they had a, a 20 evening run of The Lion King, and The Lion King is not exactly autism friendly, right? But they did one that was autism friendly. And just watching you right. know, kids, families, you know, people coming up to her at the end saying, I've never been able to take my son or my daughter to a theatrical event. And, you know, tears, you know, because it's just, it's just an amazing thing. So congratulations. Uh, it's uh, been way too long to get you on the show and, uh, but it's a great story and one that uh, as we all begin to emerge from, as we call it the vid, that uh, hopefully more and more of us, uh, when we get back on the saddle and we have the resources to begin to, to do these kinds of things are that this is front and center for, for many DMOs around the country. And thank you for your very kind offer, uh, to, uh, to have people talk to you. Well, thanks, Bill. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to talk about it. So can't let you go without the bonus round question. So here it is. We are all, especially over the past seven or eight months, working probably harder and longer than we ever have. But when times are not so crazy, how does Mark Garcia unplug? It's nothing too exciting or interesting, but I'm a big sports guy. I'm a big fan of Arizona State University yeah. football and, and all of their other sports. Even though I didn't go to Arizona State, my dad, I became a big fan. That's a whole other story. Uh, but big into ASU, I'm really big into uh, soccer, big into MLS, Major League Soccer, and most specifically into the U.S. men's national soccer team and following all these youngsters. We have, Bill, I don't know if you follow soccer at all, but, you know, there's always been you know, the thought, which has been accurate, that the United States isn't very good at soccer. We're not as good as the, the you know, the, these other countries in the world. We're getting there and we're getting there pretty quickly because we have this group of youngsters. And by group, I mean, you know, it's probably close to a hundred now, maybe more than that, that are playing in the top leagues in Europe. They're playing in Spain and La Liga and the Bundesliga in Germany and the Premier League in England. And, you know, I just get a real big kick out of, uh, following different social media feeds who uh, have this knowledge and know where all these different kids are going. And they're now starting to perform on some of the biggest teams. We have two guys now with Barcelona. You may have heard it's one of the biggest clubs in the world. Christian Pulisic plays uh, with Chelsea in the English Premier League. And the Bundesliga Germany has been, uh, been great in attracting uh, young Americans uh, with Borussia Dortmund and, uh, and, and, and others. And, um, uh, 
it's just been fantastic to see uh, their development and what's going to lead. I hope, I pray for some really amazing results for the senior men's national team as we look for the 2022 World Cup. And I think by the 2026 World Cup, I think the United States is really going to make some noise. That's what I do. You got to tell me, so as a three-time regional All-American soccer player, was there ever a thought before you got into this crazy world that we're in today that maybe you could go pro? Well, it's it's interesting that you asked that. I actually did have an opportunity uh, to sign with Cruz Azul's second division team uh, down in Mexico. It's funny because I was, as I was uh, my senior year in college, it was law school or this professional soccer opportunity, uh, and I didn't do either. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and, you know, tell it my, my, in fact, I was accepted into law. So I was going to go to American university law school in DC and to my yeah, father's day, I said, uh, you know, I just, I need to take some time off. I'm not going to go. And, uh, you know, it, it's true. When you take time off, there's a very good chance. You're not going to go back. I never did. I started working in commercial liability in, uh, in Southern California in orange County for CNA insurance. And then I got into, uh, temporary work, you know, temp agency work where I was actually hiring the, the employees. And then I kind of fell into this business back in 1996, just by accident, really. Um, but love, love these, these happy accidents yeah. as they happen, because I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else now. Love my 20 plus years in this business. Yeah. I think so many of us fell into this. I mean, how many people even know that this is a thing, right? And and we find our ways in the most circuitous paths, but once it gets us, it doesn't let us go. And so, um, great story, Mark. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your story. Um, thanks for being a pioneer in our sector. Uh, your example really should be a motivation for every DMO to begin down the path to ensure that our destinations are welcoming to everybody, regardless of ability. Well, I don't know if that's true, but that's very kind of you to say. I've enjoyed no. this. All right. That's it for this edition of the Resurrected DMOU. Tell your friends and peers we are back and looking forward to sharing, as we said on the original website, innovative ways to tell people where to go. Thanks again to this episode's sponsor. It's 2.6 Digital, a full-service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to destination marketing organizations and members of the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. You can find more at 2.6 Digital, all letters, no numbers, 2.6 Digital. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank videos, blogs, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU and the biggest DMO job board on the planet. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.